Welcome to a Third Day Story Podcast, where we'll interview people with incredible stories of hope and overcoming adversity and stepping out of fear and into the life that they want to live. I'm your host, Crosby Lee. Hey, I know it's really dark right now, but you have to have hope and faith that at the end of the day, just because it's really dark right now, doesn't mean it's always going to be really dark. But you're the only one with your unique combination of talent. Smart man learns from his mistakes and a wise man learns from others. You are love and you are worthy and the best is truly still yet to come. At some point after what you go through, you're going to look back and see where you were and see where you are now. And all that takes is just to take that next step. What's up and welcome to episode two of the third day story. Everything and everyone in life has a story and these stories are the most powerful tool in the world to connect us to others, brands, and big ideas. This week I'm joined by Casey Fink, a friend, a mentor, and genuinely one of the most caring people I've ever met. Casey, I'm so excited to hear and we're just going to dive into your story and I'm excited that other people can hear it. So. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what you yeah. do and, and a little bit more about you. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, as Crosby just said, my name's Casey, and I have the honor and privilege of being a youth pastor, um, a youth pastor, part of Red Rocks Church. And man, been a part of the church for a couple of years now and been having so much fun doing youth ministry. Um, you never know what you're going to get with youth ministry. It can be really fun and also the worst job in the world. So um, it's so much fun, though. Love it. So glad to be here, though, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's an honor. It's an honor to be here. So Casey, tell us how you got involved at Red Rocks Church and and how you became a youth pastor. Yeah, totally. Um, kind of just like a normal story. I was a sophomore in college, went to Colorado Christian University. Sko Cougs, what's up? But um, dude, I'll be honest, I was a loser at CCU. I was like a transfer commuter. I didn't have any friends. Um, and so I just got really bored. And I remember one time I was trying to figure out what to do and I was like, maybe I should just go volunteer at Red Rocks Church. This is about five years ago. So I became an usher, started ushering with all these like 65-year-old men. It was the best <laughs> time of my life, just being 19, hanging out with a bunch of 60-year-olds. But um, started ushering, and then I actually became a youth leader soon after that. And once I became a youth leader, dude, I just got hooked. Um, and so it was really cool. My kind of story just started with me just stepping out, becoming a volunteer, and seeing what was going to happen. And so I became a volunteer, and from there did a couple internships and got hired on as staff there. And so um, I've been working with Red Rocks Youth as a whole for about five years now with being a, a youth leader and also on staff. But now I've been on staff for about three years and just got asked in May to go launch our uh, Park Meadows campus. So we've been running Park Meadows Youth now for about um, – Three months. So if you live over here in the Douglas County area, shout out to Colorado. But um, Let's go. yeah, come come hang with us sometime. Uh, we meet every Wednesday night. We always have so much fun. So yeah, dude, it's been it's been a fun journey so far. I've loved it. And it all started with just kind of becoming a volunteer and God taking care of the rest. So it's fun. So you said you just launched the Park Meadows campus. How many students have you had in the last six weeks since since launching it? Yeah, man. Um, you know, with youth ministry, very inconsistent all over the place. Um, but we've been averaging about 100 kids, um, dude, which is awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah, we love it. It's been it's been so fun um, just doing that and having kids come through. And I think the fun part for us right now is we have so many new kids coming through, kids who have never been to church, kids who have no idea what's been going on. I think um, 
when you start a new ministry, especially for youth, a lot of kids are super curious about it. So we've had a lot of kids been rolling through and seen a lot of crazy things happen already. A lot of cool stories. Um, I remember one story, a girl uh, walked in one time and she was there to pick up her sister, but she was like, as soon as she walked in, I could tell something was off. Something was just different with her. So I went over and talked to her um, during worship and I was like, Hey, what's going on? She's like, Oh, uh, right of her mouth. First thing she said, Oh, I hate God. I hate God. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. Like, let's talk about it. Let's, let, let's see where this goes. And I was like, well, what's going on? What's happened in life? And she's like, well, my dad committed suicide last year. My mom is currently in rehab for drugs, child protective services, just made us leave our house. And she just like unloads her story, tells me all these things, but then ends it again with, Hey, I'm not, I'm not about this whole God thing. I'm just here for my sister. Um, but from that one conversation with her, just talking to her about it and kind of creating up this open space, this open environment for her to uh, just be real and to be honest and to be genuine, then started to plant a seed. And dude, now she's like all in on Red Rocks Youth, all in on God, all in on church. Um, and she loves it. And she comes every week, shows up an hour early, prays early, does all these cool things. And so it's just cool, man, to see what happens when you open up a door, um, especially with youth ministry. A lot of kids will come in with some serious baggage, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of um, confusion in life, but they end up walking out knowing that there's a purpose in life for them, and that there's a God who created them, who loves them, and who wants to do something really special in their life. So it's been so fun, dude. We're loving it right now. It's awesome. Man, that's so cool. It's cool to hear stories like that, especially just somebody who just walked from off the street. Yeah, totally, dude. I yeah. mean, she wasn't. In, she was intending to be there right. to get her sister, yeah. but like wasn't intending to participate. Exactly. Yeah, it's cool, man. You never know what's going to happen. And so that's the best part about it. It's so much fun. That's so cool. So tell us the biggest hurdle that you faced and speaking and just becoming a youth pastor in general, because you're kind of the face of the Park Meadows campus. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, man, I've had a lot of hurdles in life. I'm a messed up dude. But um, I think one of the biggest hurdles, if not the biggest that I've struggled with in my life is just this overwhelming <clears throat> struggle with anxiety. It's been a huge part of my life for a long time. And, um, and I tell a lot of people this, I was honestly like born an anxious person. Sounds weird, but when you look back, when I look back at my own life, um, I'm like, man, I was always anxious. I was never the one. I was never the thrill seeker. Whenever I hung out with friends, right, I would never go like, hang, like be the person to go jump the fence and ding dong ditch. I'm always like super scared. Like, what's going to happen? What ifs? Like all these what if questions. If I go ring this uh, person's doorbell, I'm for sure going to get arrested. Like that legit is how I always yeah. thought about things. And so I always, as a kid, walked on eggshells, was always really scared, always hesitant to do anything. And so, dude, that's been like a big struggle for me, just this overwhelming sense of anxiety in every area of my life. And I remember, though, uh, my anxiety went from just kind of like a part of my life to really starting to control my life about three years ago. And three years ago, I was working at the church um, and I really started to develop some weird kind of symptoms, I guess you can say, with anxiety, where I really began to have these weird obsessive thoughts that just didn't really make a whole lot of sense. And these weird what if questions that had nothing to do with my life that made zero sense whatsoever. But I started to experience these thoughts and they really started to take a toll on me. And I legit thought that I was going crazy because these weird thoughts I've never had before started to just consume my everyday life. And I was like, I don't know what's happening to me. I felt so scared. I felt so alone. I felt like I was on an island. And um, come to find out, I have struggled with this thing called OCD anxiety. It's like obsessive compulsive disorder. 
and I won't do a whole history lesson on it, but uh, there is um, just kind of one thing, especially if, if you're out there and you're kind of struggling with this, just to kind of bring some clarity to it. So for me, with my kind of anxiety that I struggle with, it was this really weird thought pattern where I would have a thought, a weird thought, but then I would try to prove to myself that since I thought it, I'm not that thought. But since I was trying to prove to myself that I'm not that thought, I then started to believe that I was the thought. And so then it became this vicious cycle of you had the thought, try to prove to yourself that you're not the thought. But since you're trying to prove to yourself that you're not the thought, then that makes you the thought. And so it was, dude, it was nasty for a while. Like people in my life started to notice something changing. Um, my wife now, who was my girlfriend at the time, she started to notice something was just off, something was wrong. And so for me working at a church and doing youth ministry, it was a lot, man. And it was really hard for me. And I remember there was one point where um, I was supposed to speak on a Wednesday night. And the morning of that I'm supposed to speak, I have a total mental breakdown where I'm sobbing, I can't speak, I can't think, I'm trying to do a run through of what I'm gonna say, trying to do some sermon prep, and dude, I just crumble, I collapse. And um, after that moment, my boss came in and he was like, hey dude, like I love you, but you're not, you're not speaking tonight, you can't do it, like you mentally cannot do this. And dude, that was hard, because like here I am feeling like I was called to do something, feeling like I was walking in what I'm supposed to be doing, and I felt like my anxiety got the best of me that day. Like I felt like it was anxiety one, Casey zero. And um, that was a really hard moment for me where I realized I have some serious problems in my life. And there are a lot of things that um, I'm trying to control. I'm trying to hold in. I'm trying to make it seem like everything's great. But on the inside, I'm actually dying right now. And so that was the first moment, though, for me where I began to realize, OK, I need some actual help. Like I need really some serious help right now with my life. And so even though that was probably the lowest point, one of the lowest points of my life where I knew my anxiety got the best of me, um, it then opened up a door though for me to really begin to get some help. And so um, long story short, dude, biggest hurdle for me right now um, still is my anxiety. But just in this whole past three, four years of life, my anxiety has been um, crippling from this standpoint of thinking that I'm alone, nobody gets me, nobody knows me. And so rather than try and come out and share and talk about what I'm going through, um, I really try to um, hide it all in. I really try to keep a good face so that people, even though they might think something's not okay, at the end of the day, they'd be like, no, he's fine. He's just going through something. Where in reality set in my life, I began to realize that I could fake it as long as I wanted to, but at some point the rubber was going to meet the road and I was going to crumble and I was going to collapse because when you try to hold something up, that's just not real. That's not there. At some point it's going to fall apart. And so that's what happened to me in my battle. And I'm still trying to work through that right now. So when you express this to your boss and, and he noticed that something wasn't going on, yeah. did you start to see other people around you come around and be like, we want to help and, and yeah. create this place that allows you to be the best version of yourself? Dude, absolutely. Um, I don't know how many people out there listening to this believe in the whole God thing, but um, for me, I, I'm a, I believe in God with all my life. I would die for my faith. And um, there's a really cool interaction that happened. I believe it was God ordained. Um, but in that same moment where I went to go talk to my boss after I'd just been told, hey, I'm not speaking, I went and I sat in his office and I just sobbed and I just bawled and I just started to open up and share about every little thing that was going on. Um, and the crazy thing was, is that his wife, 
um, surprisingly had gone through the exact same thing I went through where she had struggled with OCD anxiety and OCD anxiety is not something that a lot of people can bond over. Um, like out here in Denver, right? Everyone can bond over the fact that they're Broncos fans. Like that's just a given, but with OCD anxiety, it's actually like 1% of Americans struggle with it. And so it's a very small percentage of people who can actually relate to what you're feeling and what you're going through. And so as I walked into my boss's office, I sit down, I start sharing everything. His wife was sitting there next to him and I was really confused by it at first. But then she was saying that, hey, I was just in counseling session for OCD anxiety this morning. And while I was in this counseling session, I felt the Lord tell me that I'm supposed to tell you that there's hope for you and that you're not alone. And so in this crazy moment of feeling defeated, feeling like I've never been at my lowest, then all of a sudden I feel like, wait, I'm actually not alone. I'm not on an island. Someone actually knows what I'm going through. Someone actually gets me. They know what I'm going through. And so it's in that moment where it went from defeat to hope because I realized that I wasn't alone, that there was someone there who also got me and who knew what I was going through. And so I think, honestly, a lot of times for people, the biggest breakthrough that you might need with your anxiety is just knowing that you're not alone and that you're not crazy. Like, like the moment that I felt that I was normal was the moment that I got hope again. The moment I began to believe and hear other people step out and say, hey, you're not crazy. You're not alone. There's other um, people who are going through what you're going through. That's when I began to get my confidence back, knowing that I'm not different. I can still do this thing called life. I think that's one of the hardest things when people think that they have anxiety. They think that they can't do life anymore. They're like, pump the brakes, I'm out, I'm done, I can't continue on, I'm too crazy, I'm too hard on myself, so why why should I even try to continue? And so um, for me, as these people began to rally around me, um, I began to realize and began to see that the more people that rallied around me, the more that they had their own stuff, they had their own baggage. And I think that's really what it's all about, man. Whether you struggle with anxiety or depression or um, maybe anger or bitterness, whatever it may be, dude, like we all have our stuff. We all have our things. Um, like my dad, I love my dad. My dad's saying is like, he can become very angry really quickly, right? But for me, I don't get angry that easily, but I can become anxious really quickly. And so, dude, we all have our things. Just because I think my thing looks different than their thing does not mean that I'm different than them. I'm less important than them. I have less value than them. It just means that, dude, I have my own journey and I have my own walks and I have my own battles that maybe my dad might not have, but he's going to have his own battles that I might not have. And so in this moment where I sat down with my boss and I began to feel this feeling of, hey, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. There's somebody else who gets me. It really started to boost this new sense of confidence of, hey, they're, they're struggling, but they're still making it. They're hurting, but they're still pushing through. And so if they're doing it, I now begin to believe that I can do it and that at some point this season will come to an end. And I think that's so powerful that in a moment that you felt so alone, there was two people who came to help right. you and really work through that with you. And now you have that platform on Wednesday nights with 100 students sure. to really speak into them about something that you went through, because we know one out of those 100 students is going through it, yeah. if not more. Yeah, totally. And especially in a world where anxiety has become so big and depression has been so big, and we even add suicide into that in the right. teenage area. It just, it's cool to have somebody that they can look up to who's been through it, who's working through it and knows like it can get better right? and it will get better. Yeah, dude. I think that's just, I think that's the biggest thing. I don't know when it all started, but I think at some point in our culture today, we've just built this idea of, oh, if this Instagram influencer I'm following doesn't struggle with it, then I can't struggle with it. 
or we look at these perfect quote unquote people that we see on Instagram um, and Snapchat. And then we begin to think to ourselves, oh, well, if I want to be like that, if I want to be successful, then I can't struggle with X, Y, and Z. And that is when the crippling anxiety begins to figure out because you don't allow yourself to be human. You don't allow yourself to be broken. You don't allow yourself to be flawed. And I think, dude, that's just like the heart behind me with my battle with anxiety for so long was not only was I anxious, but I was anxious about the the thought and the feeling of being anxious. So not only did I just feel anxiety, but I had anxiety about the fact that I had anxiety. It's kind of a weird overlapping thing, but yeah, dude, it really is. It's a vicious cycle. And for me, like with being anxious for so long, I mean, I was really crippling. I lost like 15 pounds and wasn't sleeping at all and was going through a lot mentally. And I remember one time my mom that looked at me and she's like, where's my son? Like, I don't even know where my son is, is anymore. He's so different. And as I went through all that, man, depression really became real for me because I thought that there was no hope. And I think one of the hardest parts about dealing with anxiety is the thought of this is going to be my life forever. This is going to be my life forever. There's no hope and no belief that just because I'm struggling with it now doesn't mean that I won't be struggling with it later. And so that was my the hardest thing for me. And that's when the depression became real for me was this thought of, oh, my gosh, this is my life forever. It is my life forever. I can't do this. I was supposed to speak yesterday and I got pulled off. So I can't be a youth pastor long term because I'm crumbling now as an intern. So there's no way that I could do this. So my anxiety is winning. My anxiety has victory over me. That's what I actually began to believe. And the moment I began to believe that and that my anxiety was never going to go away, that's when depression set in. And so with our culture today, man, and with how many teenagers right now are feeling the weight of anxiety and depression, it's scary and it's tough. But I think there's just so much freedom and so much good that we can um, do when it comes to battling with this mental illness stuff by just simply just stepping out and saying, hey, like, you're not alone at all. And uh, I was reading a book one time. The book like really changed my life. Um, the book is all about how to deal with anxiety and depression and life after melancholy. And um, it's written by this guy, John Mark Comer, who's a pastor in Portland. And his whole thought is, hey, anxiety and depression, they are not simply um, a disease. Rather, it's a symptom. It's a symptom. And I think when I read that, it really put things in perspective for me because in our culture today, like what you were talking about, our culture right now believes, hey, anxiety is a disease. That's all there is to it. So if you struggle with anxiety, that's going to be all that you're going to struggle with for your entire life. Like that, that's it. Like that's what you got. And that's all there is to it. It's a diagnosis, right? It's like if I go in, I'm told I have cancer, like in that moment, I become a cancer victim and cancer becomes my story. And in reality, though, I think there's a difference between cancer and anxiety because anxiety, rather than it being a disease, a true legit sickness, it, in reality, it's a symptom. So for me, for example, my anxiety was rooted from this idea that I have to be perfect. And so the real disease in my heart was this, this uh, I guess, strive to always be perfect in everything I did. And so because I had that mindset, that then caused my anxiety to happen. So for me, with having all these what if questions, I was like, oh, I have to be perfect. My thought life has to be perfect. I can't have any of these weird, obscure thoughts. But since I did, then I became 10 times more anxious about it rather than giving myself grace and being like, hey, you're a human being. It's okay." But so for me, once I began to focus on more the thing underneath my anxiety, because I believe that for everybody in here. Yeah, you might have a uh, struggle with anxiety more than the person on your left and on your right. 
But at the end of the day, you're not different than them. And at the end of the day, there is something underneath your anxiety that is causing anxiety. I'm a big believer in that. And so my encouragement to people who, who are struggling out there is to really begin to think and ask yourself, hey, what, what might be the cause of this anxiety? Like, I, like if I think about it this way, if I have a broken leg, I'm going to be having a lot of different symptoms because of that broken leg. So I might be treating the symptoms, but if I don't treat my broken leg, if I don't get underneath, if I don't get dirty with it, if I don't go and have legit surgery, those symptoms will still be there because the disease is not fixed. Like my symptoms of my whole leg hurting will not be fixed until my leg is fixed through surgery. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so good. And so I think with anxiety, it's like, hey, in order for my anxiety to get fixed, I'm going to have to go underneath the surface. I'm going to have to do some legit soul surgery. I'm going to have to ask myself, hey, what are the reasons for why I'm anxious right now? And I think a lot of people out there, there's like, oh, I'm just anxious. That's all there is to it. It's just me. Yeah, exactly. It's just me. I'm down and out. There's no hope for me. I'm just anxious. It's my story. This is going to be... For all you Christians out there, you'll get the term. Uh, this is my thorn in my flesh. This is going to be a thing I'm going to struggle with forever. This is my curse, whatever. In reality, it's like, no, like, man, there's legit some things that we can do. There's some proactive steps we can take to battle these things. But it just takes us being willing to say, hey, I'm willing to get dirty. And I'm willing to go underneath the soil of my heart and of my soul. And I'm willing to really look and see what are the things that might be causing this anxiety to take place in my life. Yeah, exactly. And I think... You say something really cool there where it's your story can either be a prison or it can be a platform you stand on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're really stepping out on that in that platform because it does matter and other people can resonate with it. Yeah. And and that's going to be the way you treat those symptoms. Yeah. Sure. But then also, I want to touch on that book. If you can get your hands on that book, yeah. it's called My Name is Hope. Yeah, you've read it. Yeah. I read that book in like three days. Yeah. Casey gave it to me and I was like this is amazing. And I just kept reading, kept reading, yeah. kept reading, yeah. but it's out of print. So it's kind of pricey. It is. So I'm find sorry. A, find yeah. a friend who yeah. will uh, pay for it. <laughs> That's right. And then read it. <laughs> hey, go, go 50, 50, share it with them. I promise you it's worth it, man. That book changed my life. It's so good. Exactly. And then the other thing there is you brought up social media and how it's like this highlight reel. I mean, if right. you take Sports Center and you look at the Sports Center's top 10 and yeah. expect that's what every single game is, every minute of every game, yeah. it's just not realistic. And that's what we get on social media. And even if we take social media and say, okay, well, it's our modern day newspaper where our parents got their newspaper thrown on the, the porch, this newspaper is specifically curated for you. So what you like, the things you follow, it is totally for you, which I think has created even more anxiety because it's like, well, these are all the things I like. I should be like that. Or people put their best pictures up or just all those things that are so hard to work through because you're like, well, my life doesn't look like that all the time. Yeah. Like my parents are in Bora Bora and I want to be in Bora Bora. (laughs) Yeah. The problem is they've worked really hard for the last 50 years to be able to go to Bora Bora. Right. It's not an easy trip just for like all of us to be like, oh, let's just fly to Bora Bora. Yeah. Yeah, Let's just just go chilling. Get a hut on the water and we can just Just snap your fingers. Pigs and sharks in the water, (laughs) whatever they do out there in Bora Bora. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's really the powerful thing is, It takes time. And I think the other cool part about social media is we can really use it in a positive way. And I think that's, we've seen a a trend of that going more recently where people are like, well, just follow the people that you really care about, not just follow everybody. But I think to add to that is that doesn't mean go and delete everybody today because now you're just like avoiding this. I think if you want to like figure out what do I really like? And if you're like, I don't know if I like this, this isn't serving me in a positive way or creating this newspaper that is 
amazing for me that's helping me become the person I want to be or move into the life that I want to be, you can, you can, or you can unfriend them and, and follow these things that help you in your walk whether it be with anxiety or depression, or even if it's just this walk of like, I follow Mark Cuban because he's a mogul and I want to be a mogul. Like it can be all of those different things, but we've just made this social media to this point where this just has to be my life and it must look perfect. And my meals must look perfect and everything about it must be perfect. perfect. Yeah, man. I mean, it's that whole vicious cycle of just like, we really begin to believe of what we see on Instagram is the full story. I mean, I was watching, uh, oh no, I wasn't watching. I was like, you're listening. Shout out to podcasts. Listen to podcasts. <laughs> you don't watch them. But no, I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about how in Russia right now, people will legit pay thousands of dollars to quote unquote rent out a private jet where they don't even fly in it. They legit go into the private jet, sit in the chair, take a picture of themselves in the private jet saying, hey, off off flying to who knows where on my private jet. And in reality, they legit just paid thousands of dollars just for a picture to then post on Instagram so that all their followers are thinking, wow, that's amazing. They have a plane, they're flying, they're doing whatever they want. I want that life. That's and crazy. in reality, dude, it's like, it's, it's not even true. Like it's not even uh, reality for these people. Right. And so it's really interesting to see like that legit is the world we live in right now with social media where people will pay thousands of dollars, not even to fly in a private jet, but to just sit in it for 10 minutes to get the right picture with the right edit, with the right filter, so that then they can show all their followers just how cool and important they are when all in reality is just all of a lie. Just to be perfect yeah yeah exactly, exactly. just to come across as perfect yeah that's crazy it's it's just wild it's a wild word we i mean imagine reading a paragraph of a book and being like oh that's a great book totally. or it was terrible yeah. you just have no idea what the yeah, story is no if idea. you try to read harry potter oh yeah Shut and up. with one paragraph and judge the whole series of harry potter dude you're, dude, you're clueless, clueless. It's, yeah it's just yeah. not possible yeah so let's talk about how you're working through your anxiety, because on, on Wednesday nights, you're speaking in front of a lot of people. Sure. And to be able to do that with anxiety is pretty impressive. So how are you working through that? Yeah, man. I mean, it's definitely been a struggle um, for sure. But I kind of liked actually where you're going with the Instagram thing of, hey, you don't have to run away from people that you don't want to follow. And that's kind of been my story. Like, I've really kind of gotten this place of, hey, if I truly want to tackle my anxiety head on, I can't run away from it. I have to run towards it. And so, dude, yeah, public speaking's hard. Like, it's tough. It's not um, something for me. I've always kind of struggled with it at times. And so for me, with knowing that, hey, to be a youth pastor, you speak to these kids and you want to encourage these kids, there is a certain level of weight and burden you feel. But man, I think I've gotten to this rhythm of realizing if I truly want to overcome my anxiety, I have to walk towards this thing and I have to run towards it in a way of understanding that the more I do this, the more that I speak, the more that I get out of my comfort zone, the more I put myself in situations to be anxious, at some point my anxiety will will die down. At some point that tight grip that anxiety might have on my life, it's going to begin to loosen. And so um, just some tricks that I begin to do, I guess some tips. Um, one, I begin to really take the pressure off myself saying, Hey, you're really not that important. <laughs> like honestly. And I think that's one of the most, um, freeing thoughts that you can think to yourself because 
We think to ourselves, oh, my word, I have to do well in this moment right now because if I don't do well in this moment, I'm going to fail. And if I fail, then my life's forever ruined. And it's like, dude, you're not that important. Like, I could go up there on a Wednesday night and speak to these kids. And if I botch it, like, I botch it. Who cares? Like, you know, there'll still be kids coming the next week. And and so I think for me, I started to really think that over myself of, hey, the pressure's off you, dude. Like, you're not that important to where these kids are going to come, whether or not you bring it that night, you know? And so I really started to do that. Um, and for me, too, I really have started to kind of just take in different practices and disciplines. And one of them is before I speak every single time, I always read a passage of scripture. Um, it's Psalms 139. Psalms 139 really talks about how if I'm in the depths, you're with me. If I'm up in the heavens, you're with me. And it's really this these, these promises in these truths of no matter where I'm at, Lord, you're with me. And it talks about how, Lord, you know my thoughts, you know the things I'm struggling with, but still you allow me to take place in this world and to walk in communion with you. And so as I read that passage, every time before I go speak, I'm reminding myself, hey, the Lord knows what thoughts I'm having right now. The Lord knows what struggles I carry, but he's still allowing me to take place um, in, in the world right now. He's still allowing me to go up there and speak to these kids. He's still allowing me to have a place um, in youth ministry. And so when I begin to really sit on that and dwell on that, it does a lot for me when I'm about to go speak because I trust and I know that at the end of the day, the Lord already knows. He already knows the struggles I had yesterday. He's already going to know the struggles I have tomorrow. And so who am I to get in the way of that? Who am I to get in the way and say, oh, I can't do this because I just had these messed up thoughts. And because I had these messed up thoughts, I can't go do this thing right now. It's like, no, the Lord knows. Jesus knows. And Jesus knew what I was going to struggle with, which is why he came down to earth and still died for me so that I can now live life with him to the full. And so um, the more I began to really speak those truths over my life and one by running towards it, not running away from it and starting to believe that, hey, the more that I begin to tell myself, it's OK to mess up. At the end of the day, if you mess up, laugh about it, shake it off, move on. And then I began to really believe that, hey, the Lord knows me. He knows my struggles and he's still allowing me to do this. So who am I to get in the way? There really began to be this confident shift take over when it comes to kind of battling with my anxiety um, in my everyday life. Yeah, no, that's really good. And I think uh, something that we're going to go on to the next question where it's like, what would you tell somebody who's going through it? Yeah. And a lot of that, what you just said is, Phenomenal, but I heard sure. you one time tell you talk about the dark night. Oh, the yeah, story yeah. in the dark night, Best and and this this clip is so good. Yeah. So, if somebody was going through this and they were going through anxiety or depression, yeah, talk to us about how the dark night really helped you in yeah. this yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I am a total movie guy, so if you're a movie buff out there, I love you already. But <laughs> um, I love watching good movies. It's one of my favorite things. It's almost an escape for me. So I'll just quick little side note. With anxiety, man, if you struggle with anxiety, do, find some things that you love to do. Go play golf. Go for a run. Maybe if you like to watch good movies, watch a good movie, read a book, something like that. So for me, in my heat of my anxiety, I really started to do things I love. And one of the things I love to do is watch good movies. And The Dark Knight, hear me though, guys, I'm not a big fan of superhero movies, okay? So don't slap the Marvel nerd on me, okay? I'm be honest, I hate Marvel movies. I know people probably hate me for that. But The Dark Knight, though, is a superhero movie that I just love. I love the Batman theory. I, I, I love Christian Bale. 
I think he's great. And in this movie, The Dark Knight, um, there's a lot of twists and turns that happens, but there's this one part where um, Harvey Dent is given this like really uh, powerful speech to the people of Gotham City. And to kind of paint a picture of it, in Gotham at this time, chaos is breaking loose, the Joker's out in his way, people are scared, people are freaking out, they don't know what to do, they don't know where to go. And Harvey Dent steps up to the mic at a press conference, and he's trying to encourage these people by saying, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And the people are yelling back. Things are worse than ever. Times are worse than ever. There's murder all around. Chaos is happening. And Harvey Dent says something so profound back to the people of Gotham. And this quote is actually from a theologian in the 16th century. An English theologian said this, but Harvey Dent looks back to the people of Gotham. and He says, hey, the night is always darkest just before the dawn. And so what he's saying to these people is, hey, I know it's really dark right now, but you have to have hope and faith that at the end of the day, just because it's really dark right now doesn't mean it's always going to be really dark. And so for me, when I heard that, it clicked for me because I began to see, hey, what I'm going through right now is really dark. And what I'm going through right now is really long. It feels like that the night is going to be forever. But I have a hope and I have a faith that at some point, even though it's really dark right now, at some point the sun's going to come up. At some point, there's going to be a dawn. At some point, something's going to change for me. Like, it's not always night. If it was always night, our lives would be 10 times worse, right? If it was always dark, we would have no idea where to go, no idea what to do. But by the grace of God and by what the the hope that we have in Jesus, we know that at the end of the day, the night only lasts for a little while. The night will only last for a little while. And so if you right now feel like that you are in the darkest season of your life, man, have hope that the sun's coming up. Right. Like it's kind of when you go towards the storm, you get scared of the storm. You get really weary of the storm. The 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 rain gets a little bit louder. The the lightning seems a little bit brighter. But the closer that you get towards it, the closer you are to moving through it. And so with you, if you feel like that you're in a dark season right now and you feel like you're going through um, a really hard time and you feel like the night is super dark right now and you don't know where the hope's going to come, man, be encouraged that the night might almost be over for you. You know, and dawn might be coming. If you feel like that you are in the darkest season right now of your life, like how I felt, man, the sun's coming up and there will be a next day. There will be a next year. There will be a next five years for us to continue moving on a thing called life. And so if you're out there and you're struggling with anxiety and depression in those two areas specifically, man, I just want to encourage you at some point the night will end. At some point, the night will end. The sun will come up. Dawn will be there. And when the sun comes up, you will be able to enter into a new season of your life. That's so, so good. And if the dark night doesn't do it for you, bison do the exact same thing. When a storm's coming in, they run at the storm. Because if they can run through it, they'll get through it faster. Absolutely. And I think that's a cool fact, too. But it's just crazy. It's like storms are going to happen. Right. There's not a world where hurricanes or tornadoes or life storms happen. Yeah. That's the truth. And we have to work through them. And, and so I think that's so good. And we talked earlier about how these stories can be the most powerful tool in the world to connect us. Yes, and here we are talking about the dark night yeah. that at one time was on paper as just a story. Yeah. It's now something that's helping you through your anxiety. Right. And you can't be the only one who ever saw that movie and took that quote and been like, wow. I could really apply that to my life. So I think that's just so cool and how these stories really connect us. So, Casey, I can't thank you enough. This has been so good. Dude, Dude, thanks for having me, man. I I think it it can really help somebody out there. And if you're out there and you need help, 
ask somebody. Yeah, dude. You're not alone. Absolutely. Tell somebody about it. Yeah, be open, share, talk about what's going on. There's no shame, there's no condemnation. You're not crazy, everyone's normal, everyone has their stuff, so open up and share. Yeah, and people truly want to help. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, people really are out there, they want to help you through these things. People aren't gonna be like, oh, you're crazy, like, just go over there. We don't, we don't yeah, need you. Yeah, 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 yeah. just go sit back in the corner. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. it just comes down to us, are we willing to take the first step? to be open, to be real, and to be vulnerable. Exactly. I love it. Well, thank you so much for this podcast two of Third Day Story in the books. This has been amazing. If you love what you heard, be sure to subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and tell a friend. That story might just be the difference in their life.